it's week 42 of 2021. I'm Smitha Nair, and this is your Weekly Fix. Zydus Cadillac's vaccine Zykov D has been given emergency use authorization for the 12 to 18 age group. Bharat Biotech's Covaxin for the 2 to 17 age group has been recommended for approval by the Subject Expert Committee and will likely be cleared by the Drugs Controller General of India. Two other vaccines, Covovax and Corbivax, are undergoing clinical trials in children. So, should you be queuing up? to book that appointment to get your child vaccinated? The preeminent voice in India on virology and immunization, Dr. Gagandeep Kang will join us in a moment to help us answer that question. First though, briefly some context that Dr. Kang provided on the pediatric COVID vaccine clinical trials. The Zykov D vaccine trial included 1400 children who were over 12 years of age. Covaxin, on the other hand, had 525 child volunteers in its trial. Of course, Covaxin has been given to millions of adults as a two-dose schedule after completing its phase 1, phase 2 and 3 studies in the 18-plus age group. What do trials seek to determine? 1. The safety profile of the vaccine. 2. Immunogenicity of the vaccine, which is the ability of the vaccine to induce an immune response in a vaccinated individual. 3. Efficacy which is the vaccine's ability to prevent disease. The question is whether the data available from these small-sized trials is enough to be reasonably sure of the above. Some scientists have argued that a smaller-sized trial is insufficient to determine if a given vaccine could induce rare adverse events in children. Let's ask Dr. Kang. Dr. Kang, welcome to the podcast. First, do no harm is the doctrine that the medical profession lives by. How does one determine the risk-benefit ratio while deciding whether or not to vaccinate healthy kids? So this is a really important question. How do you evaluate risk and how do you evaluate benefit? Hmm. If we look at risk, we have to compare two kinds of risk. One is what is the risk? of my child getting severe disease if they get infected with SARS-CoV-2? And for what duration will this risk persist? And that risk will persist until I do not give them a vaccine, right? Right. The other risk is if I give them a vaccine now, what is the risk that they will develop some side effects? And every vaccine carries some amount of benefit and some amount of risk. The inactivated vaccines are generally considered among the safest vaccines, but they do have a very tiny, tiny, tiny risk of anaphylaxis. Hmm. They also have the relatively lower performance that has been described in adults. I'm not talking about Covaxin here because for Covaxin, we don't have the data. But other inactivated vaccines have not performed as well. 
So if we look at the mRNA vaccines, they certainly seem to have high benefit, at least in the short term, because they give very high antibody levels and very good protection against severe disease. But they also carry a risk, which is again very rare, of potentially causing myocarditis in young males. And this risk may vary by the kind of mRNA vaccine that you use. So much so that in the UK, they have decided that they're going to give only one dose of the Pfizer mRNA vaccine to 12 to 15-year-olds. So the decisions that need to be made always have to be made balancing risk and benefit. Right. In India, the situation we are in today is we have two approved vaccines. Are they the best vaccines? Uh, until you actually have data on how they perform, we won't know. But what is the risk of delaying vaccination? If we say we want to wait for more evidence, then how long should we wait? For what kind of evidence? Hmm. These are also things we need to consider before we make any decisions. The last thing that we want to do is to deny children protection. But if you are looking at the population level, does it make sense to immunize children at this time? And to me, taking all aspects of the picture uh, I think children are generally at pretty low risk at this time. There isn't a lot of virus in the country. Um, there is, we know that if children get infected, their risk of severe disease is low. So if there was ever a time to wait and make sure that we generate evidence correctly, this is the time to do that. Right. Uh, Dr. Kang, in light of what you're saying, would it be correct to argue that there is a need to urgently delink the decision on reopening of schools for all age groups with the decision on vaccinating our kids? I absolutely think that children need to be back in schools and the sooner the better. I think this whole debate on whether we should vaccinate children beyond uh, before we send them back to school, uh, ignores the fact that we already have a lot of ways of protecting our children. If all adults in the school are vaccinated, if class sizes are reduced, if masking is emphasized, if ventilation is emphasized, if we make sure that times when children are eating or drinking are largely in the open air, I think we can do a lot to reduce the risk of infection in children. Hmm. Emphasizing to parents that if your child is sick or someone at home is sick, keeping your child home from school is a favor that you do the entire community. These are the ways that we should be thinking about in the future, which are sustainable. And vaccines will only add an additional layer of protection. Right. So given that we have incomplete information on vaccines at the moment, and we don't have a huge choice in the range of vaccines, 
and the fact that we have a lot of higher risk groups in the country that have not been covered with two doses of vaccine. I think we can afford to delink vaccination of children from starting school. Hmm. Uh, additionally, the zero prevalence surveys show a substantial portion of the pediatric population has already been infected. Well, the zero survey that the ICMR did indicated that 60% of the children that they evaluated had already been infected. It's interesting to me that data from Kerala came out last week about a zero survey that the state had done. And there it was 85% for adults and 40% for children. And the 85% obviously comes from a combination of vaccination and infection. But the 40% of children in Kerala shows that in Kerala is where the natural exposure has really been lowest. So if we were to think about where outbreaks will occur in schools once kids are back in school, it's likely that it's going to be in Kerala. Okay. Uh, and incidentally, Kerala's pediatric mortality rate is only 0.008%. And presumably, these were children with comorbid conditions. Um, but broadly, is the absence of comprehensive granular data relating to COVID in children baffling? Uh, Dr. Kang, how significant is such data to decision-making on who among the pediatric population, for instance, must get priority? So if we look at data in India, anybody who has had a COVID test or been hospitalized for COVID or gone to a hospital for COVID or a clinic for COVID treatment, will know just how much information about the person is being collected and collected repeatedly. Yes. So it seems pretty incredible to me that we have very little national level data on what the percentage of infections are which are in children, whether they are in healthy children or children with comorbidities, and what the outcome of that infection has been. Anecdotally, we know from hospitals that most of the children who develop severe disease and die are children who have comorbidities. Hmm. We also know that the proportion of mortality in children, even with severe disease, is much lower than that of adults. There is a condition which is the multi-system uh, inflammatory syndrome in children, which occurs in healthy children after they have been infected with SARS-CoV-2. And we know that it is happening in India, but we don't know how many cases. Hmm. So without having an understanding of what the disease is, once we start to vaccinate, how will we know whether the vaccination has had an impact on the underlying disease if we don't know what the underlying disease is? So I think having data is really important going forward. Right. Uh, Dr. Kang, what would you tell those who advocate for what they see as the big picture, ending the pandemic, for which they believe 
pediatric COVID-19 vaccination must be undertaken without any delay, uh, since those below 18 years of age make up approximately 41% of the population. And leaving such a large demographic unvaccinated, they argue, is not an option if we want to end the pandemic anytime in the near future. Right. So um, what level of vaccination do we hope to achieve in the pediatric age group, in the adult age group, is something that we should consider. Hmm. Now, the maximum the Indian program has ever reached is 90% vaccination after 35 years of building the universal immunization program for infants for whom birth records are very easily available across the country. Our vital registration is poor, but it's better for births than for deaths. Hmm. And we know where children are born. We have special NCH programs in place. And with all of that, we have managed to reach 90% immunization coverage in infants. And if we can get to 90% immunization coverage in adults with SARS-CoV-2 vaccines, that will be fantastic. But we are not close to that at the moment. We are just over 30% complete vaccination for adults. Now, if we think about bringing the vaccine into children, should we do it before we vaccinate adults? Should we do it in parallel with vaccinating adults? I have one ethics argument here. And to me, much of what is being said about vaccinating children is being said by the wealthy. And that is, let's protect our children. Right. Are you making sure that remote populations, vulnerable people in different parts of the country have who are at much higher risk of developing severe disease if they get infected? have been protected before you protect your own child who is at very low risk of developing that disease. That is an equity issue that needs to be considered. And I'm not hearing any arguments that relate to that. Hmm. The second question, as I pointed out, is we should we be vaccinating our children? With 60% seropositivity in June and July, we are already in a situation that is comparable to the adult immunization program. And presumably, much of this was acquired by asymptomatic infection. Hmm. So is there a problem with waiting? Because when you vaccinate children, you might wind up vaccinating children who have been infected before. So your public health benefit will be incremental. Right. Now, I'm not saying that children who have comorbidities should not be vaccinated because they are a high-risk population and should be equated with high-risk adults who need to be also prioritized for vaccination. They need vaccines and we should get vaccines to them. 
The question I have is, the government is not allowing us at the moment to bring in vaccines that we know produce the highest immune responses, mRNA vaccines. We know that antibody-mediated protection is the main mechanism of protection for SARS-CoV-2. Hmm. So should we, instead of focusing on saying, let's get vaccines into our children right now, focus on telling the government there are populations that really need the mRNA vaccines and please work out a way that those populations can have those vaccines in the country sooner rather than later. Hmm. I think there are. this is a complex and evolving situation. But I do think that we need a clear understanding of what we are doing, why we are doing it at the time that we are doing it. And to me, this is not the time to be thinking about vaccinating healthy children. Well, you're right. The ethics argument in, in particular is certainly not reflected as widely in public debate. I think the big thing is that, you know, a lot of people look at it from their own point of view. Right. And when I come out and say that you shouldn't be vaccinating children now, everybody treats it like I have no interest in protecting children and I'm somehow evil. But <laughs> I, think, I think there are a lot of issues here. I've spent my life immunizing children and making sure that kids get covered. Right. But I think there is sufficient uncertainty at this time that is not being reflected in the public debate. Yes. On that note, Dr. Kang, I want to thank you for your time and your clear articulation of what needs to go into the process of decision making on pediatric vaccination. It is a subject we will revisit in the near future. Okay. Thank nice. you. Thank you. Thanks also to our listeners. I'll be back next Friday. Have a good weekend.